Okay, so this is the 22nd episode of Road to Serfdom's Stream of Consciousness, and I've taken a while to put up this episode uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, mostly just that I haven't wanted to put up a lot of superfluous content. Um, and anything I put up, if people come in to watch my videos, I want it to be good information, uh, concise, and without too much rambling, although I know this is Stream of Consciousness. Um, my first episode, well, my first video episode was 45 minutes long, and it was just the first take, one take, and I probably got lucky with that. I'll probably have to do multiple takes uh, now, especially with as many gizmos as I have here. I have uh, multiple cameras, multiple microphones. The idea here is that if any one fail, uh, it's not a loss of my uh, content. I'm calling it the redundant array of unreliable equipment. Um, so in addition to this uh, episode, this video studio is for doing the uh, Road to Serfdom, uh, the Gentleman's Magazine's uh, auctions. I meant to be the documentaries, but uh, I have to sell these very soon to raise money um, if I want to avoid having to do another begathon very soon. Uh, I won't do another beratathon. Uh, thank you all for helping me with that. I'm embarrassed that I had did that, um, but times were pretty tough, uh, and so it worked. Uh, and thank you very much uh, for everyone who has helped me. Um, so the uh, Gentleman's Magazine's auctions will be coming soon, and I've enlisted the help of my three cute chicks here to hold down the book, and I have, uh, I'm calling this, uh, I think, Siobhan, Ailey, and Matilda. Uh, and the, the major thing here is this slider array up here, which will allow me to move this camera over a book as it's held down and be able to get good images and it'll maintain a uh, particular focal length so that it will simplify the, the technical aspect of this and I can move quickly through it and talk and not get in the way of wires and other stuff and you know my my jib back here is handy but it gets in the way and it's and it doesn't maintain a fixed focal length so uh, anyway, enough technical uh, commentary. Um, so the the things that I want to talk about in this episode, basically there's one thing I want to talk about, mostly besides mass recall, and uh, just to remind everybody that that's the solution, the only solution, as far as I know, and I have thought about all of them that I know about. If anybody wants to give me new information, you are welcome to, and people have. And I have not found any new information from anybody yet. So everything everybody has suggested to me, I have worked through uh, and found that the only thing that hasn't been anticipated by the global totalitarian corporatist state, corporativist state, is mass recall. Um, so that's why it will work. Uh, it's also peaceful and legal, and therefore there's really no reason to do anything else. Um, and we don't have to convince everybody that it will work. We just have to tell everybody that there's a peaceful option, and the main reason for that at the moment is just because as people begin to wake up to what's been happening and they realize they've been poisoned and they've been tricked into killing their own children, um, we want to avoid having people go berserk because that's one of the things that the GTCS wants to happen. That's everything that all governments have been doing from the beginning is attempting to provoke violence. And we have to not do what they want us to do. Um, so 
tell everybody about Mass Recall. You don't have to convince everybody. It doesn't have to be an argument. Just let them know that it's that that's an option. And that way, when they get, and if and when they get to the point where they realize what's going on, they won't just go nuts, hopefully. Um, so one of the things that I haven't really fully explained here, and, and I hear a lot of comments on Twitter relating to, is corporativism. And so I, I think I'll go into a little bit of depth about what the actual thing is. It's it's an ideology. I, I usually refer to the Encyclopedia Britannica definition of corporatism. One of the words that, that is synonymous is corporativism. The reason I use that word is because people haven't heard it. So when they hear that, they say, what? What's corporativism? Don't you mean corporatism? And I say, well, yes, I do mean corporatism and I do mean fascism. But most people don't understand what fascism and corporatism are. So by using this word that is unfamiliar, corporativism, which is based on the anglicized version of the original Italian corporativismo, I can explain both the etymology, the history, uh, and what it is. And it's an ideology, um, and it's basically a, a way to arrange society, a plan for society. And the idea is to separate society out into groups that are managed by corporations that are nominated by the government. And as we know from Mussolini, uh, in corporativism, corporatism, fascism, it is the state that is above everything. Nothing is above the state, nothing is before the state. And the corporations are delegated management of sections of society, generally speaking, uh, economic sectors. Um, they're awarded monopoly power or cartel powers if it's a, a, a multitude of corporations that are managing a particular economic sector. And they are delegated the task of in implementing and acting and enforcing policies, central planning policies of social and economic nature from the state. And in countries such as the United States, where we are ostensibly a constitutional republic still, um, they can't just be overt like Mussolini and say we are a corporativism and we're assigning these delegated tasks to these corporations and they are going to be state-like functions that, that they will manage. So instead of that, they just sort of pretend that they're private institutions, do all the very same things that Mussolini would have done, give them all this, the same orders, and then if anybody catches them doing what they're told to do by the state, the state says, oh, geez, you know, why are you guys doing that terrible stuff? Well, we'll put you in front of Congress and we'll slap the back of your hand. And then we'll take all those policies and all those actions and we'll redelegate them to some other corporation and they'll pick up where you left off. And then everybody will say, oh, see, they got rid of that terrible corporation. And that's so nothing has changed. Um, the first corporation advanced the policies this far, and the next one will go even farther. And in the worst-case scenario, they can delegate the task to a nationalized, they can fully nationalize the system or service or product or whatever it is, whatever the thing is that the state is trying to achieve, can be nationalized. And, and some people will say, oh, see, that's super great. Now there's no terrible private actors that are going to control this, and so they'll, they'll certainly do the right thing now. But this is what corporativism is. This is the whole, the whole thing I'm trying to explain is that it has nothing to do with capitalism. It's not about making money at all. In fact, many corporations do not actually show profit. Um, 
they and the ones that make enough money to operate usually do so by being directly subsidized by the government. Um, and if they're not directly subsidized by the government, the government passes laws that make it impossible or illegal for anyone to compete with them so they get enough market share to pay the bills, so to speak. But usually they're directly subsidized. Um, so these are virtual departments of the government. It's, it's, it makes more sense to think of these corporations as agencies or departments of state. So it's the Department of Social Media. You know, it's not Twitter and Facebook. These are the these are you know the agent these are agencies of the Department of Social Media, um, and it makes perfect sense once you look at it that way. Um, so, corporativism is an ideology, and it's a collectivist ideology. When people say the state, they in you know the, the root word is corpus, for corporation, and and in its, in Latin that means of the body. So the, the implication here should be clear to everybody that, that a corporation is of the body and the body is the state and the state is the be-all and end-all. It's the super, super entity. And we're all subservient, subordinate to the state, including the corporations. Um, so as an ideology, it's, it's manifest as a government and all it does, that just means that it, because the ideology actually refers to how people are governed, the translation of the government form is fairly obvious. Um, the only real trick here is the sneaky bit of tricking people into thinking the corporations are private organizations, private institutions, but they really aren't, uh, and they never were. Um, so if anybody wants to talk about privately owned companies, just call them companies, call them firms if you want. I know uh, Ludwig von Mises preferred that term. Um, but the anything that's called a corporation means that it's been given a charter by the government and awarded monopoly power over a section of the economy. That's what it means. That is not a capitalist function. There isn't The, the, the whole pur purpose of capitalism is anarchy of economy. Um, you know, capitalism is this idea that the best circumstance will be arrived at if everybody is in direct competition and there is no preference. And nobody is granted any preference and nobody is prevented from competing. And the people who make mistakes, either accidentally or intentionally, are punished by the market and by the people. So, you know, corporations and the government avoid all competition and they avoid all punishment. So they are the antithesis of capitalism. And so when I hear people talking about corporations as if they're capitalist or they throw the word capitalism in when they're talking about what's happening right now, I, I'm getting tired of having to remind everybody that this has nothing to do with capitalism. Capitalism is the answer to this. That's if we had capitalism, we would not have this situation. So um, I, I'm not really... I'm trying to think of the of, of specific examples here. I mean, the, the obvious ones are these Pfizer and, and Moderna and all these giant uh, pharma companies that are getting directly paid by the government. They are giving specific, you know, they're being absolved of all legal responsibility. Uh, the government is is damn near, if not actually, mandating legally. I mean, this this mandate term is is a tricky term. So much of this is language. Um, so, so they haven't passed a law that says you have to get the shot, but they've mandated it. What does mandate mean? Mandate means, a, you know, a really firm request. Most people think a mandate is a law, but it's actually, a, you know, like a, 
a, a compulsion, a, a, but it's just shy of a legal requirement. So the government can say, well, we never passed a law that said you had to do that. But every single you know, corporation that is doing what the government tells them to do makes it so that it might as well be a law, right? State-like powers. And these corporations are monopolies in their economic sectors, so there's no competition. So when a corporation that's controlling an entire economic sector does something because the government tells it to do it, it might as well be a law. So this is the, 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 the core strategy of this particular form of totalitarianism. Um, and we see it all the time. We see this with the Agenda 21 stuff where these, you know, governments of all forms at, at all levels, central government to, to county and state down to your local town level bureaucracies have made these non-binding agreements with the UN and other organizations and these NGOs to do all this stuff no, nobody has agreed to, nobody is aware of. And it's all part of this big plan to subjugate humanity. Um, and I've talked before about the, 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 the historical background of Malthusian anti-humanism and, and how that is being implemented with cybernetic social engineering in, in the media sense. Um, but it's, uh, it's not communism yet exactly uh, but I don't mind if somebody calls this totalitarian communism or the new world order I mean those are accurate enough terms uh, I've chosen the global totalitarian corporatist state specifically because uh, it hasn't been used before it's particularly specifically descriptive of the actual government form and ideology we're up against and it also has um, this advantage of not being familiar to everybody um, but uh, technically speaking, it's you know what we have right now is not capitalism, it is not communism, it is fascism, it is corporatism, it is corporativism. Uh, but you need to know what corporativism is. Corporativism is not private companies getting control over the government by bribing specific bureaucrats, and that's really a re reference to the classical liberal interpretation of that function in, you know, the larger a government gets, the more opportunity there is for people who are leaders in a market who have a lot of money to be able to have undue influence on the regulators of a particular thing once you have a government large enough to regulate an industry. And they, this is known as um, regulatory capture in classical liberalism. But that's not what's happening here. Um, this is the government dictating this down to the corporations, and the corporations are doing exactly what the government tells them to do. Now, the history of just the word regulatory and regulation is important to connect to cybernetics, because in cybernetics, the original example of cybernetics is the steam engine regulator. And that is a device that, that as the steam engine gets too hot, it, it causes this regulator to spin faster, and, and that makes the, the device pull up the, the thing which limits how much power the steam engine can produce. And so it's a self-regulating system that if it, work, if it produces too much energy, if it works too well, it is hindered and restricted by a system that is built directly into it. And our regulatory system is very much like that. It is a cybernetic system. And the idea is to restrict and limit its progress. So whatever 
department, whatever industry is being regulated, the regulator's job is to make sure that it doesn't succeed too well, that it doesn't expand, that it doesn't come up with solutions to problems before the planners are ready for those solutions to be disseminated or for those solutions to be modified in such a way that they work best for the regulators or the, the directors of the regulators, for the central state, for the government. Everything must be done in a way and can only be allowed to be done in a way that benefits the government or fits within the central plan. And the, just the idea that we have, you know, as I said before, we're supposed to be a constitutional republic, so it's technically illegal for the government to do social or economic planning. Um, that's why it has to delegate these things out to corporations in, this, in the way that we're experiencing corporativism. Um, eventually, if they feel like they can get away with it, they'll just openly admit that we're corporate corporativism and that this is how it works. Um, but for now, the idea is that they get all the benefits of doing it that way, and if anybody catches them, all they have to do is say, oh, that corporation was a bunch of bad guys, and we're going to give it to this other corporation, which isn't bad guys, and they're going to do exactly the same thing. And if everybody says, well, no, 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 you've got to do it yourself. You've got to make it a national program. Okay, well, so we won't give it to a corporation. We'll just have, you know, they will no, no longer have car manufacturers like GM and, you know, whatever. We'll just have the Department of Cars, and then we'll nationalize the whole thing. And we see this all the time with, with electrical manufacturing, electrical production in, in, at the city and town levels where they just effectively nationalize that service rather than have corporations involved. And that is a response to having corporations that were nominated by the government to do things that people say, well, that's terrible company is doing these awful things to us. You just need to take it over as a town and do it that way. And so whatever happens, whether we, you know, whether we catch them doing it or not, the, the the response that most of the people want is what they want too, which is to put it directly into the government's hands. So it's already being controlled by the government, you know, um, vicariously, if you want to say it that way, through the corporations. But if anybody complains loudly enough, then they're just going to take it over directly. And these are not the direction, this is not the direction we want to go in for fixing things. We want to go towards individualism, towards privatization, towards capitalism. We don't want the government or corporations to be involved in any of this. I don't think there's a reason to have governments or corporations or NGOs or bureaucracies of any kind as we go into the future. They have not proven to be useful things at all. Now, I'm not saying that people can't get organized to formulate their thoughts. That's fine. Um, you know messaging or you know the, all of that as much as I might not like their message that's fine it's this making agreements and then you know even if they're non-binding agreements forcing everybody to adhere to them that is governance and we don't want that anymore that's that is not a helpful way to advance humanity and it's not an accident because the purpose of it is to prevent the advancement of humanity so as soon as the sooner we realize these facts the better and we can start to address these problems. I mean, the, so mass recall is, is this lowest level addressing of these problems. And we re replace all of the people in our local towns, or just remove them, maybe not replace them at all. That would be ideal. Uh, but there's probably going to be some people who will want to. But decentralization is a much more manageable, realistic way of dealing with this than saying, just get rid of all government and let's have anarchy. I mean, 
that would be I'm, I'm not not necessarily against that but you it's much more likely to have the ability to have a completely stateless town if we have decentralization because the towns can have whatever government they want we just have to all agree that what we have now is absolutely wrong and until we do that we really can't go forward and we really can't solve this problem until pretty much everybody agrees on this point because this decentralization solution this mass recall will work only if everybody does it if just a handful of people do it in isolated cases the central government will make an example of them and kill them or whatever um, because they'll say up oh, they're rebels they they won't accept you know the, the central state's rules and so that's why we all have to do it at the same time. So it's peaceful and legal, but they'll still kill us if we're not doing all doing it. And if we all do it, then we have this additional, you know, supporting conclusion, which is that we've removed the supposed consensus of willingness to concede our rights away. And that's generally how almost all governance, governments and governance is justified is this implicit agreement that we've all made that we allow them to do it. And if we don't allow them to do it in our own homes and all of us don't allow it to do to us in our own homes, then they can't make that claim. So that is, if you, if you want looking for a legal path to justify this, that is ultimately the ideological, legal, you know, intellectual argument. But practically, in this mass recall model, the, the other really important thing is that it actually frees all of us directly from immediate tyranny in our own towns, in our own homes, right away. And then all of the other problems that we have, and there will be many, and this is dangerous ultimately because the governments will not want to relinquish their powers, um, but those problems become not your problem for you and your kids. They're no longer going to be torturing your kids and killing you, at least directly um, if we do it this way. So that's why mass recall is the only solution. Uh, and um, I hope I've kind of explained corporativism well enough that people understand that it's, that this is not a bunch of rich people just trying to make more money. The really rich people already have all the damn money. Um, so they, they don't really want more money. They want power. And most, a lot of people understand this, uh, even the people who talk about capitalism understand that really the object here is power. Um, and I, maybe that's the point we should all begin to, uh, to agree with. Um, and my ultimate argument is that power is best contained with capitalism because you, you, you don't just automatically get to sell stuff because you, uh, you make lots of stuff. If people decide they don't want to buy your stuff, they don't buy your stuff and you don't want to have any money and that's it. Um, if you have a government that gives them a whole bunch of money to keep them afloat because the market is not rewarding them right now, that's not capitalism. Um, so all subsidies, all this stuff that is, is keeping these corporations going when they ought not to survive is part of what we have to get rid of. Um, but I also want to make it clear that the corporations are not really private companies. So this is not a question about capitalism. This is a question about surreptitious government and you, you, you really should think about these corporations as virtual departments of government think of it as the department of social media don't think of it as a private corporation that's called facebook or twitter and there's a lot of supporting data for this too um, but that's 
<coughs> basically what I wanted to say for this episode. And um, this is a little bit longer than my normal episodes, but hopefully I've, I've covered some of the basics of that. Um, the, the other thing that I just happen to be talking about is nuclear power. And it's one of the most important things we need to be talking about because energy independence is a key part of decentralization because you can't really be decentralized if you don't control your own energy. Same thing goes for food. So we need to control our own food and our own energy. And the only really good way to do that all over the place, you know, almost immediately is with nuclear energy. And governments have gone out of their way to prevent nuclear energy from taking for this specific reason. They'll tell you it's because terrorists will make bombs and blah, blah, blah. That's all bullshit. I mean, somebody was talking about dirty bombs. Dirty bombs are completely a government invention. No, no, no person has a, a use for a dirty bomb. And a dirty bomb would be made from the kinds of ha short half-life, high radioactive materials that you'd find in medical imaging. So all the dirty bombs would really be hospitals. If people were worried about dirty bombs, they'd close down hospitals and not let people get medical imaging anymore. And maybe that's probably something they're going to bring out soon, is, is it's just too dangerous to have health care because people could make bombs with it. Yeah, but that, that's the logic. So and besides that, nuclear power, if the, the correct designs, the good designs, the small designs, the modular designs, they are actually fail-safe. They do not, there is no way for them to melt down. So it's, it's a complete lie that people talk about nuclear energy being unsafe. Um, there is a real problem ultimately in the long term with managing waste. I'm not saying that's not a problem. But it's not a big problem. It's not an immediate problem. And it, it already has some pretty viable solutions. But the newer reactor designs that are fail-safe also um, are, you know, have fuel cycles that use much more of the fuel. So there's much less waste. And the waste that comes out is much less dangerous. So, you know, we're making progress even in the face of all this opposition. Uh, a lot of these things are just old solutions that the government just prevented from being done. Uh, molten salt reactors is one of the first reactor designs. So we need to get nuclear energy as a solution soon, and, and that needs to be a capitalist solution. So we need to figure out a way. I mean, of course, as soon as we get rid of governments and corporations, we can start having people form companies that do research and come up with designs and release prototypes and we can start working on ultimately what I think we need is a is a truck portable town sized or smaller reactor that is self-contained and will operate for 30 years or so and provide all the power you need in a town and people can chip in for it they can do this in a sort of socialist way if they want to and it's it's manageable in a, in a in a small enough place like like a town for everybody to just chip in and buy one and then you know pay a nominal fee to maintain it but this it's manageable and you can actually you know I don't like socialism but if you want to do it that way you could do it that way or somebody could buy one themselves and then sell the money and make a profit off of it over the next 30 years uh, the, with the risk that something will go wrong and they'll not get all their money back that would be capitalism and then you wouldn't have that the town would be under no obligation to pay that person for having lost money because the reactor broke halfway through that's capitalism you're supposed to lose your money if your investment ideas and if your investments don't work out 
Um, so if you did it as a socialism, you wouldn't have the benefits of capitalism because if it broke halfway through, everyone would have to buy another one. And it would be up to everybody to do that, as opposed to somebody else coming along and buying a better reactor that would be 15 years newer than the first one in this scenario I'm describing. And obviously after 15 years, the next reactor, the one that somebody would buy to replace the one that just broke, whether it's the person whose reactor broke or not, or a competitor, would be a better one that would be safer and last longer and be cheaper. And so that's the... the the actual people who hold positions in markets are usually in the worst case, worst position in a capitalist economy because they made the early investment, which is usually the weaker long-term investment in terms of you know, tools and techniques. Um, and it's the new people that come into an industry that always have the advantage. And that is a key point to corporativism and planned economies is they, they try to arrange society and markets in such a way that that doesn't happen, that you can't, that if somebody invests some money into something, that they're not subject to the market from then from, for some period of time. You've been guaranteed this market share. Government will defend this market share. We'll, we'll make it illegal for anybody else who has a better and cheaper product to compete with you because you put up all this money. Uh, you know what I mean? But that's not capitalism. That's planned economy, and we, we have to get away from that. Um, because if you let people, because there's this minor, I mean, it's a kind of a good argument to say, well, how, people wouldn't put the money in if we didn't guarantee them a market share. Well, tough fucking luck, man. That's capitalism. So if it's not good enough, it won't happen. And yeah, you might have to wait 10 years until it gets cheap and good and safe enough for somebody to put the money in. But that means that you should have waited the 10 years. Not that you should have done it 10 years ago with shit tech and techniques and have it break and cause problems and have the government have this guarantee to the person who put up the money for the first shitty version. You know, so planned economy is no good. We want capitalism. We want free markets. We want people who make mistakes to suffer for the mistakes. And, you know, on the other side of it, we want people who make investments and take risks to be able to enjoy their success when they succeed, which is not that common. So, I mean, I forget what the actual numbers are, but it's something like 10% of all businesses succeed, more or less, and some succeed really well. And if you just punish the handful of people that actually succeed because they made the right decisions because of luck or what, um, usually it's not because of luck, um, then you've discouraged not only them, but everybody else from making any kind of investments in the future. So, and, and this whole arrangement ends, you know, that's designed to reward the people who are who have been given these guarantees that again it's just it rewards the 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 incumbents and we don't want to reward the incumbents we want to allow the competition if you can survive as an incumbent for any length of time all the power to you i'm not saying that you have to be forced out of a market but if you can survive on your own with no assistance you've got a pretty good business model and people should pay attention to you and and they should keep competing with you and if you're really good you'll you'll stay on top for some period of time nobody stays on top forever but you can only stay on top because you're good in a capitalism in a free market not because you've been guaranteed anything so um but these are separate things um you know capitalism is an economic system it's not a government form whereas corporativism is a government form not an economic system as such um 
if, if this kind of makes sense. In other words, communism, all collectivisms are essentially anti-economic systems. There are systems that declare economics to be evil and that planning is much better and you can replace economics with planning. If you're talking about economics at all, you mean capitalism. That's what economics is. So hopefully this is something that will get through to people and they'll, they'll understand that, that there is a balance, there is a trade-off here, and that the trade-off is between rewarding the handful of people that government chooses to give contracts to and guarantee long-term support and the possibility that your investments might go wrong and nobody will support you. Uh, but on this side, the, the possibility that you might go wrong is balanced out by the possibility that things will work out. And we always allow new people to try. And we would much rather have that than this. So, so that's it for now.